The Feast of Sukkot is upon us. This is the last of the full feasts of God found in the Bible, where God's people come to celebrate that which is to come. The bridegroom marrying the bride, the final arrival of the king opening the door to the virgins who were waiting and who had their oil. The moment where you and I, if we could see him, would see him face to face, to know him and for us to become as he is. Everything that got lost in the garden, finally restored. But the actual celebration of the feast is quite strange. I mean, God comes and he commands his people to take all of these different parts of trees and come before him for seven days using these things to rejoice before him with. And it's like, what is that even about? Like, what does that mean? And many people have tried to explain what it means. Many have said, well, this type of plant means that. And, you know, I want to submit to you that today we're going to uncover a such an amazing deep meaning of what they are. That is something you may not have heard before, and it is not really what we'd expect because it's all about how God is looking to use these elements to build you up as a suitable tabernacle. We read in Leviticus 23:40, and you shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, the branches of palm trees and boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. All right. So we have all of these elements we're rejoicing before him with. But in the book of Nehemiah, we also see the building of something with these elements. We read in Nehemiah 8 verse 15, go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went out and brought to them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate and the square of the gate of Ephraim. So what do these sukkahs represent? Among other things, it represents this garden that is being built up by God's people using trees. Now, we also know that trees in Scripture are often used to point to what people are. They represent people. And so if you think about it, trees are being used and parts of trees are being used to build this garden structure. And this is really a celebration of what was in the beginning before the fall and that which is to be restored back to us ultimately at the Feast of Sukkot's fulfillment. The garden, the presence to be in the presence of God. And ultimately, I want to submit that these different elements are also personal. They speak to our personal journey our stage of development of our tabernacle 
because I want to submit that these different elements are making up and demonstrating the different stages of growth in a tree. We see that there is the fruit of a splendid tree, the boughs of leafy trees, the branches of palm trees and willows of the brook. Now, let's look at which four parts of a tree are represented here. The fruit, the leaf, the branch and the willow of the brook, the water. Think about it. We have water, the first stage of life that brings a tree about. Then from that comes up a branch. And then from there comes out a leaf and from there fruit. This is what the four elements are. And what could we learn from these four elements in our spiritual lives as we are being built up to become trees that bear good fruit, that become temples of life? I want to read Psalm 1 verse 2 as well. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers in the scripture. All of these four elements, the, the, the branches, the water, the fruit and the leaf, are represented. God is trying to show us something about these elements that we need to uncover. Now, first, we have the water. We know what the water represents, because at the very feast of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, Yeshua stands up and cries out regarding the water. And he says in the book of John, chapter seven, Israel, you are dry and you are in need of water. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. We then see that the water Yeshua says is the Holy Spirit and that if we believe in him, not only will we receive living water, the Holy Spirit, life, but out of us will flow water itself. It will be like a river. And see, that is very the very thing that we are where we are supposed to be planted by, by a river. And and if you think about the Holy Spirit described as a river and not as a dam, river is flowing all the time. A river seeks to go into new places and crevices. And so it is with the spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit, he's designed to move through us. But when we put him in a dam, 
In other words, we don't allow him to move. We don't allow him to touch others. We don't allow him to use us in spiritual gifts to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to speak in tongues, interpret tongues, to prophesy through us and all the things that Peter said he would do in the last days. People always say, oh, in the last days, there's just going to be false signs and wonders. Yeah, but God said, I'm bringing a move of the rivers of God, the Holy Spirit. I in the last days will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will dream dreams and old men see visions. I will do these things, he said in the book of in the, by the prophet Joel, repeated by Peter in Acts chapter two. And so now we stand here at the feast of Sukkot and we are reminded of the com- of the reality of what we are called to now. People are like, well, maybe tomorrow, maybe next year, maybe when God brings about a move, he's saying now is the time, my people. What are you doing with this spirit that I died for you to have? Are you waiting around for me to die again? I did it once and for all. Now do something. With what I have sacrificed for you. And so it is, dear brothers and sisters, that if we are a healthy tree, a healthy tree rejoices in the waters. Think about it. A a tree that is full of greed, a tree that does not that does not give honor and glory to God, who know he that tree knows that God gives him sustenance and water and life. And that's the type of tree that we are called to be one who rejoices in the Holy Spirit and uses and allows the Holy Spirit to move through us. The next element are the branches. Now, I want to submit to you that while the water represented the Holy Spirit, the branches represent the truth, the foundation that carries the fruit that carries the leaves and anything else that the tree would be bearing. It all starts with that seed that is planted and receives the water, the Holy Spirit and grows a starts growing a branch out of that. And Yeshua describes it in 1 John 3, 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. It is in our obedience to God, his law to walk righteously as Yeshua walked righteously, that we build our house on the rock or may I even say build our tree on a strong foundation that becomes healthy. We see a warning given in the book of Zechariah 14, verse 16 through 19 about those who would not obey God's word. And because of their disobedience, they would ultimately not receive rain, water, He says, if the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the feast of tabernacles. I want to submit to you that we are living in a time right now where there is so much mercy upon those who do not have the knowledge of the restoration of God's biblical feast days. Many are keeping feast days not in his word and they have replaced the feast of the Bible with feasts 
not of the Bible. But there's mercy right now. But there is coming a time where those who do not come to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, the feast we're talking about now, they will not receive the rains. What is the water? They will not receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit working in their life. But so it is when the Holy Spirit does not reign upon the seeds. There is a hardening of hearts. There is a turning against God. There is a rebellion. But so it is that God is calling us to worship him in spirit and in truth with the waters that is the river and the foundation that he has given us. And when we have all of that, now finally our tree can produce the next elements, the leaf and the fruits. The leaves on a tree is a sign of health. When you look at a tree and you see, wow, it's full of green leaves, you're, you're going to think, well, that tree seems alive. That tree seems healthy. But if you see another tree and, and it has no leaves, it has nothing upon it. And instead, it's it's seeming to be dying. That's how you know, often by the leaves. We therefore see that the leaves are an outward sign of health in our spiritual life. We read in Jeremiah 17, 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. All right, so let's move on now to our next element. The last one, the very fruit now that is being born by the tree. The fruit I want to submit is an inward sign of the health of a tree because you can see fruit on a tree, but it's not until you open the fruit and look at it that you recognize this fruit is good. This fruit tastes nice. But when you open up the fruit and you see it's rotten, then you know there's something wrong with the tree. The tree is infected. The tree is sick. We must bear leaves on our trees as an outward sign of health. From the outward appearances, people should look at us and and see, wow, they are healthy. Praise God. God is doing something in their lives. But not only that, I want to submit then further that we should bear fruit and that fruit should be healthy in our inward parts. We should be healthy. The problem with the Pharisees of the first century was that they had all of these leaves on their trees. And it seemed from the outside that they were a healthy tree. But upon deeper inspection, Yeshua found that their fruits were rotten and that their inward parts of their heart had evil intents. And so I want to submit that we should not be like those who came against Yeshua, but should bear good fruit of love, fruits of the spirit. See, it can only be when we have the first step, the water, that we can have the fruit come about. Otherwise, you can have a tree that grows, even though it's not planted by a stream of water, the Holy Spirit, 
it'll grow, but because it lacks water, it'll struggle. And it may even bear some fruit, but that fruit will not be prosperous. And that tree will not have the would not be healthy, could not protect itself from infestation. But I would like to remind you of Yeshua seeing the fig tree. See, this fig tree was seemingly fine, but it didn't have fruit. But I want you to notice how it was not even the season for figs. Yet look at what Yeshua does regardless. He says in Mark eleven thirteen, seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. But when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Notice how Yeshua curses the tree for not bearing fruit, even though it has leaves. But it's not the season for fruit. It's a picture of how we are called to be trees who not only have leaves at all times that are healthy, but bear fruit at all times in and out of season. We will bear fruit because it is always the season to bear fruit for the people of God. In season, out of season, his spirit supernaturally empowers us to bear fruit. We are not like the fig tree. See, the fig tree is just an ordinary tree. We are a tree empowered by the spirit. And then when people see us bearing fruit in and out of season at all times, they will look at us and be like, what is it about this tree that it bears fruit continuously and that there is never a season at which it does not bear fruit? Wow. But see, you can be religious and be a fig tree that Yeshua curses. You can be religious But because you do not walk in the Holy Spirit, because the rivers of waters of life is not where you are planted. Yeshua will come and curse you just like he cursed the fig tree and said, you will never bear fruit again because I died for you to have the Holy Spirit. And what did you do with it? What did you do with me? Did you why did you not allow me? Why did you say tomorrow, tomorrow, the day thereafter? When this day is the day that the Lord has made for you to walk in it, to be empowered by him. Dear dear brothers and sisters, it is the time is up for us to wait around upon God to do something when he has done it all. What are we going to do with what he has done? When we now think of all of these beautiful elements, the water, the branch, the leaf and the fruit, These are all the things that reveal the gospel, because these are all the things that the Messiah had to fulfill perfectly in order to be the perfect atonement for your and my sins. When you think about it, the water, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he walked in the spirit perfectly. He was perfectly walking in the truth. He had a the branches of God in the foundation of his word perfectly. And then he had leaves on his tree that were healthy. He was a healthy outward sign of what it looks like to be a son of God. 
And then, of course, he had fruit on his tree, the perfect fruit that even when you would open it and taste and see, you would see that he is good. And it is only in the fulfillment of all of these things perfectly in his life that he was the worthy lamb of God who could be an acceptable atonement. He bore the fruit that we never bore so that we can partake in the fruit of our father in the garden yet again. He was to die then the death that we all deserved, being nailed to a tree. And it is on that tree, I want to submit that dead tree, that cross that he was hanging on is a picture of us. We were in past like that cross, a dead tree, a tree that was chopped down, a tree that was put up for a man to be nailed to. And we caused him to die. We were the ones who put the nails in him. We were the ones who lifted him up because of our sin. We are to blame. We deserve it. But then because he died that perfect death, he was raised again. And so he being raised imperishable as the tree of life, from which whoever eats will never go hungry or thirsty again, but will have eternal life. So your tree will be resurrected, will be made new to bear fruit in and out of season, to never perish or die again. That is what he did for us at the Feast of Tabernacles. That is the tabernacle that he calls for you, that he calls for me to become a tabernacle of spirit and truth, walking as he walked, not forsaking any part of him, not his spirit, not his truth, not forsaking outward purity or inward purity, but being as he is. Therefore, this feast is for us to rejoice not only in his sacrifice, but in all of the fruits of the garden that he is restoring his people back to. I want to submit that this is illustrated so well in how God even calls his people to celebrate the feasts. We see in Deuteronomy 14, 23 through 26, the freedom to pleasure that we have in his presence. He says, if the journey to celebrate the feast is too long for you so that you're not able to carry the tithe or if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you. When the Lord your God has blessed you, then you shall exchange it. The fruit that you have, that is for money. Take the money in your hand and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. Spend that money for whatever your heart desires, oxen, sheep, wine or drink or whatever your heart desires. You shall eat there before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice you and your household. Like this is incredible. Like God is saying, I want you to take pleasure in your in the fruits of the garden. 
in that which is rightfully yours as an inheritor of the kingdom of God. And, you know, when you think about this, I'll be honest with you, you know, there's this other contrast that we we have to now now consider, too, because it's like, well, God says we can we can partake in all of these wonderful things, these pleasures. But then Yeshua warns in other places, right? He warns against pleasures taking us away from God. See, we're kind of back in in the garden of Adam and Eve's fall again, where God is saying, I want you to have pleasures. I'm not against you having pleasures. But then they, with their greed, wanted everything, even that which was off limits. They wanted access. When Eve saw the fruit in the garden that was forbidden and she ate of it, in truth, what she did is she saw the fruit, but forgot the source of all things. She loved the creation more than the creator. It is so easy for us to look upon the creation and the pleasures of life that God has given us for our blessing and become more invested into those things than into God himself, lifting the creation above the creator. What ends up happening is greed sneaks into our hearts and then we lose all that has been given to us in the first place. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve, because they lost access to the entire garden of of everything there, even that which was permitted for them to partake in because they were greedy with the one thing they were not allowed to partake in. Look at what Yeshua says in Luke 8, verse 14, talking about the various seeds falling. He says, as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear But as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Now, I also want you to consider 2 Timothy 3 verse 4, which really gets to the bottom of this. He says in the last days, there will be those who become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Wow. God wants us to be able to, to partake in the pleasures of this life. But to do it before him, as he wrote to us in the book of Deuteronomy 14, do it before him, remaining humble, remaining grateful, do it responsibly, remaining sober, not in drunkenness, not in excess, not in gluttony or any such thing. And perhaps most importantly, even Do it in the joy of the Lord, celebrating him. Now, when there is pleasure to be had in this life, in the garden of God, at the feasts, but not even just at the feasts, in any time of life, should we not involve our father in it all? Should we not rejoice in him? And that is why God told us to take these various elements and go for a week and use them to go and rejoice before the Lord. Because these elements represent Yeshua, every step of the journey of what he has done for him to be built up as a perfect tree, a worthy lamb and sacrifice, and the tree that he's calling us to be, that is what we are rejoicing in.
the various elements become the vehicle for us to enter that fullness of joy before God during this feast. Fullness of joy does not come about by any other tree. It comes only about by the tree of life that is Yeshua himself. We read in Psalm 16, verse 11, you make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It is in the presence of Yeshua in the garden presence that we can get the fullness of joy back to us. And that fullness of joy, I want to submit, gives healing to our bodies. It gives us hope for the future eternally. And even in this life, it gives us strength to endure and perseverance through any trial. Don't let this time of Sukkot that invites you to the fullness of God's joy pass you by, but partake in it. Gather those elements, build the tabernacle up and enter that fullness of joy. And remember, do not repeat the mistakes of the garden. Do not forget him in the midst of the trees. I just pray, Father, for everyone who is listening to this, Lord. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come upon them, that you would bless them, O God, with the waters of life from your Holy Spirit, that they would be planted by living waters, that they would manifest those living waters as it flows like a river from them as well. Father, as they are built up, those branches of their trees in the truth, Lord, I pray, God, that they would get deeper revelations of righteousness to repent of their sins, to look more like you. And Father, as they have leaves come about, let let them have that outward appearance of righteousness so that the world may see and look upon the glory of what you've done in them. And Father, those fruits, Father, even not only our outward parts, but Father, let our inward parts be transformed to bear good fruit for your kingdom. Yeshua, make us like you. Yeshua, help us to be a people that is known for being different, for being holy, for building up a tabernacle, not of this world, for bringing about a kingdom, not of this world. And Yeshua, come and prepare us for that presence. Prepare us for that face to face that you're restoring us back to. Prepare us, O God, so that we would not come before you with a weakened heart or a a tree that does not have water or a tree that is sick. But Father, help us to come before you in confidence, knowing that you have prepared us. Dear brothers and sisters, None, nothing that we can do in of ourselves is going to make us be a healthy tree. Have you noticed how all of these elements are given by God? And it is what he gives from above, from heaven that saves our trees to bear good fruit. Therefore, trust in him, not in yourself. And then you will be one who sees him face to face, calling on his name. I want to say a special thank you to all of our partners who've made this teaching and every other feast teaching this season possible 